Hello coders, good afternoon. Welcome to episode 158 of the How to Code Well podcast. I hope that's correct number. Uh, it is Thursday the 26th of May and we are live. Haven't done this in a while. Uh, I am being live tonight because I, I, I was planning to do this pre-recorded, but the day has ran away with me and uh, I, I would have recorded this a couple of evenings ago, but I've just been so busy. So I thought I would jump on live and uh, and get this done. <sighs> it sounds like I'm rushing through it. I've had one of those days today where things have just fallen uh, fallen over and I've had to pick things up and then realize that other things have fallen over and I've had to pick those up as well. And yes, before you know it, you look up from your code and it's three hours have passed. And th yes, I was hoping also to go to the gym this evening and that was a plan if I had this pre-recorded, but that never happened. So here I am. <laughs> Woe is me. Um, tonight, I want to talk about misconceptions. There's been some really horrendous, um, and I'm not saying that just because I'm hungry and I'm a bit, bit bitey and hangry, but there has been some horrendous tweets uh, floating around and I always get a little bit worried when people tweet, people with large followers sense, tweet these things. Uh, this is regarding uh, women in code and mothers in particular. And I thought, you know, what, what better way to dispel a couple of myths for software development? The thing is, when you've got a large following, You've got a and and I, there's no I don't want to um I don't want to be a, a an opponent of free speech, but the thing is when you have a large following of people, you have to take into consideration um what impact you have, um especially when you're in the educational scene and you are um. You are influencing younger minds that have entered this industry. And I would hate to think that a certain opinion prevents someone from getting into the industry. Um, so I'm not going to I'm not going to shed any light on the tweets. You can find those all out. Uh, I, I am um, not wanting to give any any uh, any kind of platform any any further reach to that platform but um what i'm going to do is come up i've got five misconceptions i've actually got seven misconceptions here but five whatever uh around the industry i've been in this industry for over 20 years um and i've worked with some incredible incredibly talented people um who have taught me a thing of two i have discovered a lot of things out my own obviously on both the coding side, but also in the in the social aspect of coding as well. And there's some things in here we'll talk about. I suppose, though, as tradition goes, we should talk about the changelog before we get into these misconceptions. This week has been, like I said, it's been super busy, but I was able to do some stuff over the weekend. And what we've managed to do, I, I think I talked about the whole... Um, uh, Cyprus, I was going to call it Silius, Cyprus end-to-end -end testing. So that's now working really well. And I think I mentioned last time about 
the speed in which it, it was getting really slow because it was running in a different environment. Now running this in in the proper environment, test environment, and it's working really fast. Here I'm talking about the How to Code Well site. So that's still in development. That's going really well. And on Tuesday, we did the, um, the PHP registration course live here on YouTube, and that was really good as well. And I've got it to a point where we have um, some PHP tests. I've actually, I actually did a little bit, of, I was a bit naughty and I actually did a little bit of this, quite a bit of this actually, um, yesterday evening and uh, Wednesday evening. And I managed to get some integration tests because it has a database and some unit tests together. So I'm looking forward to showing you all that on Tuesday and documenting that as well, because I think we're coming to a point where we can start actually documenting and refactoring some other code for this course. So that's really good. Um, and then, and yes, that's that's pretty much it, to be honest. Uh, the rest of the time that I spend is either with the dogs or with with the clients. So, <laughs> so that's, that's that. Um, so there'll be a, another stream coming out uh, next Tuesday where we're going to be working on the um, PHP registration course. Uh, more of that. So that's really good. Okay, so let's get into this misconceptions then. This is this is something I'm sure I've talked about before, um, but I, I think that it, 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 it needs to be repeated, some of these anyway. Um, well, all of them to be fair, especially if you're new to this industry, because like I said, there are some bad actors out there who will try and divide the industry, the tech community, with their really bad takes on things. And that drives them followers because outrage encourages engagement. Engagement encourages followers to join or to block, you know, that's now becoming a trophy, you know, such and such has blocked me. That's a, you know, hey, look at me. Um, and I think that really my following isn't huge at all, right? But I'm willing to shine a light over some of these, some of these silly opinions uh, that people have. And again, I don't want to shoot down those, I don't want to, I don't want to poo-poo free speech at all. But the thing is, when you have been playing in this sandpit of YouTube for a while, you can spot the people who are trying to poke the bear and encourage engagement to give them traction on the platforms that they're on. And then they come out and promote their courses and then they come out and promote their, uh, you know, whatever it is that they're charging their, their zombie followers, right? So... Here we go. Number one, you have to code every day to get better at it. No, that is not the case one bit. There are many days where I don't actually do any coding. In fact, this um, uh, a recent client that I've had, uh, there has been a large period where I haven't actually done any coding for them. And it's mostly analysis. So I'm looking at different um, upgrade paths for various packages making sure things are up to date and working out the dependency trees um, that, you know, I oh, I need to upgrade this thing, so I need to upgrade that thing. There's also documentation that, as well. So documenting from a technical aspect, the application, 
as well as documenting uh, from a non-technical aspect. So sort of writing uh, change logs, writing, um, I guess, sort of change requests in a sort of a non-PRE way kind of way. Or, 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 or tutorial or sort of, or not tutorial, or um, documentation to teach other people uh, who are sort of touching the code base, but not actually actively coders. So say, for instance, these could be managers. Um, if, if something has happened and you need to document the change, but you do that in a non-cody way so they, they can grasp it, maybe some screenshots, that's what I'm trying to say here, you know, like if it's a content management system and some of these screens have changed, then you would need to create that, but word that in a way that they will be able to appreciate. So again, that isn't code, right? That's documenting the system. There's a lot of this that you do, but also specifically for juniors, people coming into the industry, the fact that you shouldn't have to code every single day um, you get burnt out, right? If you do that. And I find that I'm thinking about the code when I'm not actually coding. So I, I've mentioned this many times, like just, you know, go for a walk, mow the lawn, whatever, crunch in the back of your mind, the issue, the bug, the thing, the architectural problem that you're trying to deal with whilst you're doing another mundane task. And then you come back to the code nice and refreshed. Sometimes that can take a day, uh, sometimes that can take two days. Sometimes I find that when I come back from a holiday, I am more productive because I'm less burnt out. So you don't have to code every day. That's the whole point. You don't have to code every day. Number two, which is kind of, you know, goes into this whole Twitter issue. The, the women cannot code. Okay. That's number two. So that's, and I, I'm a bit sickened as to how many people have this opinion because this is just simply not true. I've worked with some amazing women uh, who code and mothers and people who have disabilities, both women and obviously non-women, and they are amazing. So don't tell me at all that women can't code. I've had so many um, awesome people on the podcast, guests on the podcast, and they are so inspiring, so inspiring. So this is, I, I don't even know why I have to say this. This is ridiculous. So yes, women can code and they can code better than men in some cases. <laughs> so get that silly, silly thought out of your head. Okay. So number three, managers are sellouts who can't code. Okay. This is, a, this is a interesting one because Often when you get into the industry, when you've been in there for a while, you get this choice, this this sort of fork in the road. Do you become a manager and manage other developers or do you still be a developer? And I had this, I was actually asked this when I was a full-time dev, you know, it, which way do you want to go? Which direction do you want to go down in? And I, you know, I had this. I certainly don't think that managers are sellouts that, you know, Yes, there's managers who are more managerial than they are coders. And I guess that's kind of their remit, right? And so I guess over time, they become less um, in tune with how the code works. They become, um, the way I put it at the time was, I would rather be in the engine room than be on top of, on top deck, um, you know, steering the ship. I would be rather in the engine room. 
Um, <laughs> so I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't believe at all that, I'm at, that you've got to a point in your career where you're, you know, you've faked it all the way up to the point where you've been given a managerial position and then you're a manager. Sometimes coders are really good managers, really, really good managers. And actually I've worked some, with some really good managers who were coders beforehand and you get that when you talk to them, you un you get the glimpse of, hang on a minute, how many years have you been a coder for? You know, because they say things or when they're in a, a meeting full of other coders, they don't just look completely glazed over in their eyes. You know, like, what are you talking about? They have an, a comprehension as, as to what it is that these coders are talking about. And they're able to um, weed out some of the bad uh, bad eggs in, in, in that as well. Because, you know, sometimes, if, there are cases where some coders may try and say things that uh, make the thing sound better than it actually is just because that's what the manager wants to hear. But if the manager can peel, peel back the onion and work work out who's who's doing that, you know, because they have an experience of being a coder before, you know, they can be able to find out those telltale signs, which is awesome. So no, managers are not sellouts who can't code. Managers are awesome. Okay. Well, not all managers, obviously, but you know, a lot of managers are. <laughs> um, okay. So moving on. Number four is you can't into, you can't get into this industry when you're old. Now I can't say this from experience because I got into this industry when I, well, when I get out, got out of school essentially, because I got out of high school and I started, I did course, I did two, two courses, a BTEC and a HND. And then I went on to do my degree. All the all three of those courses were, had some element of programming involved. And then the day after I left university, I went straight into the industry and I worked in a web development agency. So I can't really say, cause this was back into, you know, the early 2000s. So I can't really say, or, you know, uh, beyond that. Well, earlier than that. So I can't really say that that is the case here. So um, for me, at least, however, I have spoken to and on this podcast, uh, many people who have got into the industry in their older years. So I don't think that it is an issue. And actually, I think that the the older people, people who are older than you actually bring something to the table that you can't. So they have experience in other things. And because they are of a particular age, they may have had um, other careers doing completely different things and had completely different experiences, but they can bring some of those experiences to the, the coding industry. It might not be a one-to-one -one transferable skill, but you know they have that um, depth of knowledge that I will never have because I've never had a different career. So, I mean, there are times where I think, well, hang on a minute, perhaps I wouldn't mind doing something else. You know, they have had that. So, mm. and like I said, I, I, I am aware of, I know of people who've been in this industry and they got into this industry, um, when they were older than I am, and uh, they, they're learning things far quicker than me. <laughs> and yes, so I and I will have no problem working with those people either because it, it doesn't really matter. In my opinion, you know what you know, right? 
and your experience is something that you can take with you to wherever you go. Okay, so number five is testing is only for developers who have time to test. So this is something that I initially kind of thought when I started testing ages ago, like when I started testing, because it was like, oh my God, this is taking so long. Only developers who have like working in enterprise uh, companies in the enterprise space who have literally teams and departments full of developers working on this one single application. They must have all the time in the world and therefore they must have time to test. And therefore the people telling you that you need to test your code come from these industries because they have time that I don't have. And that's the way I my my head was when I started out testing. In fact, the weird thing is that if you flip it on his head and if you do it from testing first say in a sort of a dare i say a tdd approach um you when you that that's obviously a learning curve right so it's going to take you time to get to that point where you're actually doing tdd but when you actually do tdd in some cases i'm not going to say in all cases in some cases it actually speeds up development why well because you know that you have tests to back up your 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 work your your workings out your findings and therefore you know that deployment is going to be relatively i'm going to say relatively safe so you've actually saved time in the future because you've captured potential bugs during development and something i've said i think i've said this in a in a talk once i, I can't remember but something I, i'm sure i've said this before it costs you more in time and in money and in reputation if you catch the bug in production over catching the bug in development right because obviously if there's a bug in production that you could have caught in development and it's costing you money because perhaps the check checkout page doesn't work because of this silly bug, then you're going to lose out on sales. You're going to lose out on a developer because they need to actually stop what they're doing to fix this thing, right? So you're going to lose out on time. You're going to lose out on money. Um, you're going to lose out on reputation. Maybe that customer who's hit that issue has to go somewhere else. So no, testing isn't only for developers who have time to test. Testing is for everybody. And testing should be something, in my opinion now, it should be something that sh that needs to be taught via the courses. Now, this is something that I'm trying to do in the PHP logging course and the PHP registration course is actually teach you how to test the code. So we try and do it in a I'm going to loosey-goosey say TDD because it's not really TDD because what happens is when I come up with the course, I need to practice how I got to this particular function and refactor it to the point that I'm happy with it. That's not always in TDD. TDD is obviously writing the code, writing the test first and then refactoring it. When I have an idea, sometimes I just want to throw it on the on the IDE and see what sticks especially when I'm thinking about new architectures and stuff. But as I've mentioned before, it's a good idea to have a, a line in the sand to say, okay, wow, we have this 
I don't want to use the word MVP, the term MVP, but we have this concept, right? And it kind of works. It's not production ready by a long shot and it needs to be refactored, but let's take it, let, let's now draw a line in the sand to say, let's test what we've done before we do anything else. So I've done that line in the sand with the PHP registration course. We have basically built a little framework for um, connecting to the database. And in the future streams, what we're going to do is have, uh, I'm, I'm going to write some, I, I haven't thought of how to do this yet. So again, this is just a, this will be a concept, but in the future, I'm going to be building our own routing system and our own controllers and our own views. I'm not using any frameworks. So this is just going to be pure PHP. So this course will teach you how to do that. And I sometimes, when I come up with these concepts, I find it easier to not test and just throw code on the page. But always in the knowledge that there needs to be a line in the sand once I'm kind of reasonably happy and I've got a feel for what it is that I want to achieve, try and achieve to actually say, okay, before we do anything else, let's test what we've got and then let's refactor. So that's kind of my jump on. I haven't got to the point yet in my career where I'm doing full TDD from the get-go. Um, I may have done a couple of that around the how to code well stuff-ish in the on the on the actual website. But um, I, I pull my hat, put my hand up and say that in this industry, I rarely do TDD, which is a shame because I, I, I really dig TDD. I, I kind of understand why it's a good idea, but and it's a shame that um, not, not many uh, people enforce TDD. Um, they, the more, uh, the higher up I've got in my career, the, the more I've noticed testing is more of a requirement, which is great, right? However, TDD is something that uh, is is less of less so in my experience. It could be completely different for you, but yeah, going back to the point, um, testing is only for developers who have time to test. No, it's not. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. And the reason why I'm testing, right? Let's take let's bring it back to why I'm testing. Why I'm testing the courses and teaching you how to test the courses is actually there's a selfish reason, because I want to ensure that in three years time five years time, 10 years time, you get the idea. Um, those courses still work. So I want to make sure that there is testing back to back up the course. And I want to ensure that when I upgrade the course and upgrade any packages that relate to this course, um, the course works, right? I don't want people emailing me saying, I've just installed this and you know I'm now running on PHP 9, not PHP 8. And it doesn't work. <laughs> so I have, I actually have the, I, now um, with thanks to the work I did uh, uh, the other evening, I have PH, the PHP registration course now hitting a GitLab runner whenever I commit and push to a specific branch. Again, I'll show you all of this uh, on the next string. Okay, so where have I got? Okay, number six. So we've already passed five. Boom. Number six, um, the fastest coder is the best coder. Nope, 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 nope. I am incredibly slow. I know and I've seen, I've paired with people who are just lightning quick, lightning quick. And it's annoying because <laughs> it's like, 
it's it's frustrating. It's, it is like watching a video, right, where you just see someone just write, write code, just like it's dripping out of their fingers. Um, and yeah, I can't do that. I really can't do that. Um, however, saying that, I'm not the best coder at all. I am not the co best coder by a long shot. I'm better than I was perhaps um, last year, but I'm nowhere near where I would like to be. And I, you know, there's lots of things in that I'm putting in place to improve my skills, my skill set. But this point in particular is about getting to the solution. If you can get to the solution the quickest, that's great. You know, that's 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 wonderful that you've got there. However, there is a a point to be made for the people who take time and methodically document and consider the alternatives. The thing is, sometimes, well, in most of the cases, actually, you can come up with a solution. You can come up with multiple um, solutions for one problem, right? And each solution will have a trade-off. So you might be able to code it really quickly because it's maybe, in your opinion, a quick thing to do. However, those who are slower than you may have actually considered other alternatives and have been able to come up with something different because of the things that they've been thinking about um, whilst they've been coding. The things that you haven't been consider considering because you just want to get to the end goal as quick as possible. Now, obviously, if there's a P1 going on and, you know, there is there is um, a, an issue on the live site and it's all catching fire and you need to put out some stuff, yes, speed is a good thing. However, when it comes to creating, say, some new architecture, a new feature, it's always good to have a period of time where you are slow, steady, methodical. You know, you're thinking about the various implications, the impacts, you're thinking about the user, you're thinking about the various different actors on this system. You know, it's not always the fastest uh, person gets the treat. You know, it's 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 not always that case. The fastest coder is not always the best coder. All right. It's not a race. It's not a race. Number seven. Okay. More people working on a project means that the project will be done faster. Uh, this is the, um, there is a, a particular rule, isn't there? There's a, the, nut, the, 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 um, oh, what is it? Oh. Um, the man month. Oh, what is that? I forget. There is there is a saying, isn't there? Um, there's also another saying that I've just thought about, and that is that um, nine women can't have a baby in one month. Um, <laughs> but there is another one uh, around months. Anyway, this basically means that there is sometimes when you get too many people involved, it can actually slow down the process. Sometimes just having two people on something is more than enough. Sometimes just having one person on it is more than enough. Going back to the manager's point of view or whoever is the, the leader in the team, it is knowing who to put the people with, you know, so they're not just screwing about um, and they are working off themselves. You know, they are um, leaning on each other's strengths as best as possible. When you're bringing in a lot more people into the team, you have to go through all sorts of um, things in order to bring everybody up to speed, right? 
there's also more danger for human error when you've got more people on the team or I say more people on the team. It could just be more people working on a particular bug or an issue. If you've got if you've got more people working on the one thing, then that can be I mean, from a technical standpoint, that can be quite awkward because, you know, you're working from a single branch. Right. So you all have to collaborate together on that single branch. Uh, maybe you have different branches for each person, but then pushing to some other branch that then gets pushed into another branch. It gets awkward. It gets awkward when you've got multiple multiple people on it. Also, you don't want to have you want you want to basically maximize the efficiency of the team, right? So if you've got um, a, a team of say three or four people and they're working on this one issue, right? You may have two people in there who are doing sixty percent or why did I say 60%? one of them, 60% on the other. And then you've got the other four, three people. I can't remember how much, how many people I've mentioned, but whatever. The other people are just sort of sat there doing, twiddling their thumbs and being, t waiting to be told what to do. So you want to be, you want to get to the point where you have just enough people to get the thing done in a timely manner. And yes, you still want to be kind of evaluating that, you know, maybe we need more people on this. Will this ever, will this make it quicker? But that decision, um, I personally believe that decision should be left to the developers because they are uh, more engaged with the issue or the feature of whatever they're building to get to the time frame. But um, this, this whole thing of swarming around a particular issue um, can actually um, uh, make the time longer, but it's a per project thing, right? So more people working on a project means that the project will be done faster. That's not always the case. That's not always the case. So I did say five misconceptions, but there's seven there. Um, so I'll just go through them quickly. Just give you a rundown. Okay. So number one, you have to code every day to get better at it. No, you can't, uh, you can code. Uh, you don't have to do that at all. Number two, women cannot code. Yes, they certainly can. Managers are sellouts who can't code. That's number three. No, they're not. Uh, number four, you can't get into this industry when you're old. Yes, you certainly can. Number five, testing is only for developers who have time to test. That is not the case at all. Testing is for everybody. Number six, the fastest coder is the best coder. It certainly isn't the case. It is not a race. Number seven, more people working on a project means that the project will be done faster. Not at all. Well, in some cases it is, but it's not, not always the case. In some cases it actually slows it down. Anyway, they're my seven. If you've got any more, then do let me know. Uh, contact me at howtocodewell.fm forward slash contact. And I'll be um, really interested to hear if you've got any more or if you've got any disagreements with those things, let me know as well. Also, um, do feel free to put down your thoughts in the comments if you want it public as well. So this is a live one and um, I am hoping that the next one will be live as well, but I'll let everybody know on Twitter at how to code well. Thank you ever so much for watching. Happy coding, everybody. And I'll see you again next time. <laughs> Cheers. Bye bye.